And that's really what we want to talk about today, is growing spiritually. Last week, I mentioned holiness. I mentioned being holy. And I want to actually spend the next three weeks, including this week, talking about holiness. Now, I've got a picture here that is from a camp that I did. It's a holiness camp, actually, is what it's called. Uh, and it's in Michigan. And uh, maybe you've been to one of these before. Maybe, maybe you, you don't even know what a holiness camp would be. It sounds too odd for you to go. But nonetheless, one of the things that struck me is, now it's a big auditorium. It's outdoors. All right? It's an outdoor auditorium with a, with a roof over it. But there's, there's no, you can see the windows in the back. That's how the whole thing is. It's not even, um, there's no wall even. And right up at the front, right where you know, the preaching happens and the altar is and all that kind of stuff, there's, there's this cross and then there's this just really simple sign. Uh, and, and I just was very struck with the simplicity of it and, and to me, the beauty of it. And the scripture talks about holiness as being beautiful, the beauty of holiness. Notice just simple, be ye holy. Just say that with me. Be ye holy. Now, you just spoke some King James. Uh, but in this instance, it's actually, to me, this is a, a great translation. It's very simple and to the point. I wonder this morning if, you know, when I say holiness, I wonder what goes through your mind. I wonder what sort of feelings you have toward that term. I wonder what sort of images. You know, it'd be, it'd be really, if we were in a small group setting, it'd be really nice to just... Just sort of explore that a little bit. What is holiness? What, what does that even mean? What does that do for you? Is that even attractive? Is it on your top five of things you want to do in life? Be holy? Uh, is it, was it one of your New Year's resolutions? Let's hope not because you've probably broken those things and forgotten them by now, right? Um, you know, how, how far up on the scale of your life is this term holy? Because let me tell you something. In the Bible, holiness is not just a side issue. It is the main description of who God is. He's holy. So, if we're going to know God, then we must know the holy. The holy one of Israel. The holy spirit. And we must be then holy if we're going to walk with the Holy One. This is what the Scripture tells us plainly. How do we do that? Let's go to Isaiah 55 and find out. <clears throat> Notice here in this, in this, uh, this reading today, it's a short, shorter reading, but this is a beautiful, beautiful text. Now, if you've ever read the prophets before, in particular, uh, people like Isaiah, you know, your major prophets, I mean, your minor ones do it as well, but you're going to notice, even from just a visual aid, if you look at it, there's all these indentions. Uh, there's a different way of speaking and talking in the prophetic. You ever notice this in reading the prophets? It's, it's not narrative, not just straight narrative at least. It's not like reading Exodus. It's not like reading Leviticus. It's not like Proverbs. It's not even like a Gospel. So what is this? It's really prophetic Hebrew poetry. 
So it's, it's really sort of its own genre, but it's this in particular, this section here, 6 through 11, is straight up Hebrew poetry. Now, if you notice anything about Hebrew poetry, like what the Psalms are, you know it doesn't always rhyme. You know what I mean? Like our stuff rhymes. Uh, you know, you write a poem to your wife, whatever. You try to get stuff to rhyme, right? Songs rhyme. That's not what this is based on. Instead, it's based on something called parallelism. Now, we're going to explore that a little bit. It's very important to understand that. Check this out. God actually chose this genre to talk to us. So that's why it's important. Look, I don't like grammar any more than the next guy. Uh, but this is what He chose in order to communicate to us. Therefore, we should at least take a little gander at it this morning. So, let's look. Isaiah 55. We're going to start with verse 6. Let's just dive in here and ask the Lord to help us. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that He may have compassion on Him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. May it not fall on emptiness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been a part of the holiness movement all my life. Most people just say, holiness movement? I don't, what in the world are you even talking about, man? Like, you know, let's talk about something that's relevant to me. <laughs> well, hold your horses and we may get there, we may not. Um, the Methodist church is part of what's called oftentimes the holiness movement. Because it's a focus on being holy. I mean, even in this holiness camp, it's about being holy. In engaging with the Holy One. The Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being, as, as Jesus even says, not just baptized with water for forgiveness, but baptized in the Spirit for sanctification. Sanctification, big long word, just simply means to be made holy. That's what it means to be sanctified, is to be holy. And Paul will pray that we are all sanctified entirely. So it's a biblical 
concept. And it's something I've been within holiness circles all of my life. I have attended holiness meetings. I've been in holiness churches. Now, let's not dive into what other things holiness can mean because there's a whole denomination that, that takes a different route. I mean sanctification. We're not talking about just speaking in tongues, which can oftentimes be the discussion. That's not what we mean here, uh, just to be clear. <clears throat> One of those instances, I was in college, and I was invited to go up to Columbus, Ohio, with a person that I really respected a lot. Is my first theology teacher. Uh, actually, the book you guys are reading in uh, Justin and Cassie's small group is uh, created for a community. It's the first the- theology book I ever read, given to me by Dr. Chris Lorstorfer. Yeah, he's got an odd name like I do at the end, right? Uh, and so we were going to go all the way up to Columbus, Ohio, to this Christian Holiness Partnership meeting, CHP. You know, it's a big deal. Like, there were going to be some big names there. And I was just now falling in love with theology and starting to recognize some of these names. And all of a sudden, I'm learning that Wesley Duell's going to be there, Richard Taylor's going to... So I'm like, you know, geeking out like you would over some concert, you know, except over theologians, all right? And so I wanted to get my books signed because I'd already read the guy, and now I get to meet the guy. And so I go up there, and, and the night before, I, um, you know, did a college thing... And and that is, I stayed up all night long, you know. Uh, and so I, I stayed up all night long, and then, you know, we had to leave at like 4.30. So, I mean, what's, what's the big deal about those four hours, right? Uh, so I stayed up all night long, went over there, met them. We drove whatever it was, you know, 10 hours all the way up. Well, it was actually longer than that because we were from Jackson, Mississippi. It was like 12 hours, something like that. It was all day. Just drove and drove and drove. Didn't get any sleep. Got up there. And, uh, and so we, we started to register and all this kind of stuff. And I noticed that when I started drinking water, that some of my water was starting to leak out of the left side of my mouth. And uh, I started feeling quite odd on the left side. I was very stop, stopped up as well. Just did not feel 100%. And uh, I just chalked it up that, you know, hey, it was because I didn't get a lot of sleep, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be able to sleep this off. Well, woke up the next morning, and this was the big day. This is where we got to meet everybody. I was going to take pictures. I started noticing in the mirror that morning that when I smiled, the left side of my face was not moving. That I could not even all the time blink my eye. I was losing function in the left side. So, I mean, you know, I'm kind of having this... Whopper freak out, you know what I mean? And I started asking me, I said, Do you are you noticing something with my face? And and they're like, Yeah, yeah, it's probably just, you know, sinuses or something. Like we gotta go. So we went and I took some pictures. I still have those pictures, and I'm half smiling. I'm half not smiling. I started having to drink sideways because stuff would literally run out because I could no longer move the left side of my face. At all, I had paralysis of the left side of my face, and so I went to the emergency room, and he just simply said it was sinuses as well, gave me some antibiotics, uh, which uh, we've later learned was really not a great diagnosis. Um, and so I labored through not being able to function on the left side of my face, trying not to, you know, uh, lose it. Got back home, went to a little podunk doctor in the middle of nowhere in Mississippi, and uh, way outside of Jackson, and he diagnosed me with some rare thing. I knew I was one in a million, right? Um, at least I'd been told that, but I'm... Uh, and, and so now it's confirmed, but uh, Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. It's where the shingles get in your ear, and they shut down because of swelling the nerve that controls one side of your face. 
So I actually, you know, I've had this chicken pox before, which the virus stays with you and can re-emerge as shingles. And it did in my ear because I was so low on my immune system because of staying up all night, I'm assuming. And I had this disease where I literally called the Ramsey Hunt syndrome, this obvious thing with my face not working. And I thought to myself, you know, that's just like my life. I want to be holy. We're commanded to be holy. I wanted to smile in those pictures, really did. I tried to, doing this number, some crooked smile. I still have those pictures with the guys that I met and got my autographs, books, you know, smiling all crooked. Isn't that like your life? You want to be holy? You want to be righteous? You want to be blameless? And yet, oftentimes you find that part of you doesn't work. You just don't look the part, really. You see, here Isaiah gets a word from God and God says, you know what? My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so we conclude then from that estimation that we, you know, there's no way we can ever have His thoughts. No way we can ever go His way because we're too broken. When we look in the mirror, we may want His way. We may want to think of people like He thinks of people. But at the end of the day, when we look in the mirror, we have this crooked smile. This non-functioning part of ourself that is just simply unable to do it. And this is where I found myself, even in the midst of a bunch of holiness folks and holiness people, I was finding in my own heart, I was unable to be holy. You know, holiness is not something you can do. It's something that has to be received. You're not holy because of what you do. You know, the old illustration is, you know, just because you're in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. Um, in the same way, just because you're in church, just because you read your Bible, just because it doesn't mean you're holy. You have to bump into the Holy One. He is holiness. God says this, I am holy, therefore you be holy. Be ye holy. And yet we can't really grasp that. Maybe we don't want to grasp that. We say, surely not me. This whole thing of being holy, sanctified, living a holy life, holiness, all these very churchy buzzwords, that's for, that's, you know, I understand that's what God is going to make me when I get to heaven. Surely not me. It's too high for me. It's too much for me. It's out of reach. Almost like a kid, you know. I say, or Ty, you know, this morning, I want some cereal. I'm hungry. Well, get some, son. 
is like the skyscraper. You know, it's like looking up at the top of the Empire State Building. That's where the cereal is. He can't reach it. There's no way. Even if he stood on a chair, dude wouldn't be able to reach it. He had to go get my eight-foot ladder out in the garage in order to do that. That'd be way too dangerous. And he wouldn't be able to pick it up. It's just simply out of reach unless he has some help. And he must have help if he's ever going to reach that cereal. We're going to have to have help. We're going to have to ask for help. Isn't this what the text calls us to do? Call upon Him. Jeremiah will say, go and seek Him. And that you will only find Him when you've searched with all of your heart. It's not just some kind of half-hearted business. It must be with all of our heart. We must forsake our way. Notice in the text in verse 7, let the wicked forsake, abandon it. We say His ways are higher, His thoughts are higher, therefore we can't can't attain that. But that's not what the Bible says. He said, well, I just, man, we just read it. He said, your thoughts are not my thoughts, my ways. Your... This is a really interesting text, and you really have to dive into this. This is a beautiful, beautiful, uh, poetic way of saying things. One of the things that's repeated here is way and thoughts. It is actually repeated three different times in 7, 8, and 9. Now, he actually, I lo- and I love to find this guy. These are like little nuggets to me. Um, it's, little, it's little messages, really, that are left behind by the author. And he does this. In verse 7, it's ways and thoughts. In verse 8, it's thoughts and ways. In verse 9, it's ways and thoughts. He interchanges these two things. Like an oscillating fan going back and forth between the two. Ways and and th- you know why? It's because they are interchangeable, aren't they? Your ways reveal your thoughts. And your thoughts determine your ways. This is why the Scripture tells us to hold every thought captive. It's why the real battleground starts right here. Not on what people can see, but what is unseen. This is why when Jesus comes preaching... He doesn't just preach the law of Moses written on stone tablets that deal with the external. But instead, He drives the point straight to the heart of the matter where the thoughts reside. If we're going to be holy, we must be made holy all the way down to our heart. All the way down to our thoughts. And then it will affect our ways. We always just try to change the way. Without the thoughts, we must, as Paul will say in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Or as he says in Philippians, that we can actually have the mind of Christ. You see, this is not something that God is saying to us. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher. He's not saying, therefore, you can't do it. 
Instead, if we actually study this passage, it will prove that it's the other way around. We always leave it with, we always lead with, in other words, the effect being, look, we can't do it. Therefore, the cause is all we got to do is ask for forgiveness. That's not the way this is set up. Instead, it's we ask for forgiveness and the cause. Notice three times he says in verse 8, 9, and 10, 4, 4, 4. Anytime you see four in the Bible, F-O-R, that introduces a cause. It's basically like saying, because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Because as the heavens are higher than the earth. Because as the rain and snow. His is the opposite way that we normally phrase it. His is, no, no, repent so that you can have my thoughts. So that you can walk in my ways. This is not something He's taunting us with. That's not God's protocol. He doesn't do that. Just like I don't taunt my kids with things they can't do. I don't get out there when they're trying to shoot basketball and it's only going up to here and just smack it down. (laughs) You know, God is not doing that here. He's not saying, look, I'm higher than you are. Boom! Nothing you're ever going to do is good. That's not how the good Father treats us. Instead, He invites us to grow up in grace so that one day we too can shoot hoops with Him. You see, here's the the thing about God that's not like us. He likes to share everything He has. (laughs) You know, we, we have certain things in our life. Some of us are good at sharing. Some of us are still really bad at sharing. There are some things that's just simply off limits to other people. We just know that, you know, uh, anything but that. God, He says, it's an open house. It's an open family. And He invites all to come in. He would give us everything if we would only receive. If we would only ask. He even tells us that. But we ask for the wrong stuff. We ask for things that He doesn't own. Like greed. You know, I looked up the definition of greed. You know, I'm a, I'm a definition dude. And again, this is actually, this sermon is called High Definition. I'll, we'll get to that later. I looked up the word greed. It says like a desire for money, power, food. I was like, food? I've never heard anybody saying really in relation to either eating that they were, but... God's like, well, man, aren't you pretty greedy? Somebody try to touch my fries? It's going to be on. I like fries. I really do. Um, I don't really like to share my fries. I really don't. I mean, it, it really takes a lot for me to share my fries, even with my kids and stuff. I'll just be honest with you. It really takes a lot. I mean, I know that's bad. I'm trying to, you know, ask the Lord to help me with that. But it really, you know, funny story. My, uh, <clears throat> my aunt was here last week, and she, we had some leftover P.F. Chang's um, chicken fried rice. And uh, Jessica was like, yeah, you can get some of that chicken fried. And I was just, really? I mean, I thought you knew that I liked that, you know? She actually listens to the sermon, so she's, I'm going to be in trouble. But I didn't tell her that. I, I tried to play it off, you know, like I was, yeah, yeah. Let's, and she even was like, you don't want to share with me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. I was, trying to, I was trying to give her everything. You want a bologna sandwich? I mean, we've got some you know, ham in here. Um, God's not like that. God's not like that. 
He likes to share all of His stuff. He doesn't want to keep any of it for Himself. He wants to give the house away. He gave His Son away. And He gives His Spirit freely. I mean even to sinners. You see, we say, surely not me. But you know who else said that? Jacob, who was a liar. He was a deceiver. It's actually what his name means. Deceiver, heel grabber. Always looking out for number one. But when he bumped into the Holy One, he became Israel. And they're still hanging around today. You know who else God calls? is people who say, surely not me, like Moses, who had a stuttering problem or some kind of speech impediment. Not only that, he didn't even want to do it. Not only that, his way of doing it was to actually murder someone. In order to get the job done, he actually murdered a man and buried him in the sand. That's the kind of person God is willing to share everything with and put his name all over this Bible. David, who was an adulterer, murderer, cover-up. Peter, who denied God to his face and cussed about it. Cursed him. Paul, who was basically a terrorist, terrorizing the church. You don't like terrorists? Neither do I. God does. Hates what they do. But He loves the person. Amen. He died for them. That's tough to swallow. And you know what? Paul standing there as Stephen, the first martyr of the church, is being murdered. He's being murdered. And Paul is standing there with his hands in his pocket, watching. Approving it. People were laying their coats, which means he was the man in charge. He was Osama bin Laden to the church. And yet God says, I want to share I want to share it all with him. I have a plan for this cat. Can you believe that? Like me, a sinner in need of his grace, unable, face doesn't work. I want to smile, but it's crooked. Want to do what's right, but it's crooked. And he calls me, he calls you. I mean, if those folks are in, I'm pretty sure everybody else is here is good. Unless you have a warrant out for your rest right now, we need to make sure. But for real, just think about it. Think about that list. God invites you into His way. Into His thoughts. This is not Him tantalizing us with something that can never happen. No, He calls us to have the mind of Christ. He says, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Be holy, for I am holy. He's not sitting on our back with a carrot out here laughing at us as we try to chase it all our life. No, no. This is a promise. This is a command. Be ye holy. 
You have a smart TV yet? We have smartphones, right? Uh, apparently now we have smart TVs. Um, do you know how a TV is smart or a phone is smart? My kids were asking questions about our smart TV. They want to know how smart it was, you know. Um, well, you know, if you don't know by now, we actually made that TV smart. Humans did. It did not get there on its own. We, we programmed that. Not, not me, but there are some people in this room who could program that TV, by the way. Uh, two individuals in particular. Uh, with zeros and ones. Can you believe that? That's just nuts to me. They can program a TV to be smart. You know what? As my son was asking about that at dinner last night, I quickly ran over and jotted this down. Holiness is not our doing. It was programmed by the Maker. God. It's not something you have to strive for or that you can conjure up in your life or manipulate God. When you get in connection with Him, it's like plugging in the TV. When you get the power of the Spirit, all you have to do is plug in and all of a sudden, when the command comes, you can do it. Hey Google, look up this. Boom. My smartphone does it. Hey Xbox, do this. Boom. And when God says, love one another, all of a sudden, we find the power to do it. Why? Not because it's us. It's because the programmer himself programmed us that way. And all we have to do now is connect into Him. It was what you were designed to be like. Holiness is not some weird thing about how you dress or what you watch or what you do. It's about Jesus. It's about being connected to the Spirit. And when you connect into the Spirit, there's new power. That's what we're talking about. That we're not talking about something odd with odd people in an odd place. We're talking about right here, right now. We're talking about holy people like the ones I just listed who don't sound very holy. And yet who the Bible says was. Because when they plugged into God, they left their deception. They left their adultery. They left their idolatry. They left their lying. They left their self. They denied their self and plugged into Him instead of their way and their thoughts. I had to say this just because it's, it's so well used and I, I find it to be helpful. Not your way, but Yahweh. Just remember that. Not your way, but Yahweh. Yahweh is the name for God. When every time you see L-O-R-D in all caps, that's Yahweh. God's personal name in the Old Testament. I am. And He's enough. Now we find, yeah, we find that we're broken. And that we are in need of repair. We need to be sent back to the manufacturer himself, don't we? But he can fix us. That's the good news of what we're talking about. Again, this is not something that is out of reach. Do not think, surely not me. No, surely even you. Even you. Even you. And he gives us a roadmap. Right here in the text, seek God. This command to be holy in your relationships, holy 
towards your wife or husband, holy toward your co-workers, holy in this church. We are called to be a holy people in a holy place. That means your house can be a holy place. You know why? Not because of you. Not because of the bricks and mortar, what paint is in there, or you have a bunch of crosses. And, you know, people always have these weird ideas about being. Oh yeah, you got to have the Lord's prayer somewhere on your wall. You know, you got to have a crucifix. On, you know, no, 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 no. Stop. It's Jesus. When you bump into Him, that's the only thing He's going to do in your life is make you holy. That's it. That's His one plan for you because that's how you were made. It was holy. And when you're broken, the only way to be fixed is to be made holy. It's the only thing on the table to do today is to be holy. That's why the Holy Spirit comes into our life to make us holy. And the result, as he says here, it's beautiful. The result is when we call, when we seek, when we call, when we forsake our way, when we turn to His way and we return to Him, notice what happened. Compassion. Mercy. Just look at it. Uh, I, I love this. I love that He didn't just say, for He will pardon. He will abundantly pardon. Th- th- this is so hard for me to understand. And people who have a hard time forgiving their self need to hear this. And that is, God is eager to forgive you. He's sitting on the end of the seat, ready to jump up as soon as you say you're ready. As soon as you ask, He is ready to give. Don't picture God as reluctant and angry. No, no. He has done everything necessary for you to ask. And when you ask, you will be forgiven. When you call, He comes running. And He will meet you there. And we must all have that encounter with Jesus. That is what it means to be holy. Encountering the Holy One. This is why all the things in the temple were holy was because God was there. Not because of certain bread. You know, somebody made the bread at home. When they brought it to church, it was holy because it bumped into God. You're holy, your house is holy, your children are holy, your work is holy, only if God is present. We must be a holy people. We must be at holy places where His holy presence is. So holiness. Full circle. It's a high definition. See, there's where. It's a high definition. But one that you're called for. You're an HD TV. You're a smart TV. We just need to be fixed. We need to be healed, repaired. And that's the good news. He is jumping at the bit this morning to fix us, to help us. Just like Ty this morning wanted cereal, all I had to do was reach up and bring it down, and I saved the world for him. I mean, I was the best man today for just a little while until he needed something else. I like providing for my children. I like working and making money so that my wife can stay at home if that's what she wants to do. I like to buy them things. 
If they want, I like that ability to do. And so does God. He wants to provide for us if we would let Him. If we would just ask. He can be found. He is near if we'll forsake and repent. That's what Lent's all about, isn't it? Forsaking certain things and repenting. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts not ours. But they can be and they must be. It's the only help He gives. Holiness. Be ye perfect, Jesus will say, as your Father in heaven is perfect in love. So this morning, the Word has gone forth and you heard what He said about the Word, didn't you? Just like the rains that come down. They don't just come down just to go back up again. No, no. This Word, His ways are higher. This high definition of holiness has come down so that it can bear fruit in your life, in my life. Don't let it return empty. This is what He said. No, no. My Word is not going to return empty, but it's going to accomplish that which I purpose. That for which I sent it. So the Word has gone forth this morning. Will the seeds fall on stony souls? Will the birds come in and steal them away as soon as you leave here? Or will they take root, grow into a tree, and bear much fruit? I pray they do. Let's pray they do. Amen.